Welcome to the Breakthrough Advisor Podcast. In this podcast, we inspire advisors with ideas and pathways to break through barriers and build a thriving retirement income business. We will interview innovative technology developers, business leaders, and successful advisors, then help you organize and execute these ideas to move your business forward. Welcome, Tamiko. Thank you for joining us on the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. It, we, we've heard and read a lot from you over the years. We really appreciate your contribution to our industry. Um, you, you've done great things to help the consumer and the advisor both get a better understanding on annuities. And uh, for all of that great work, thank you very much. We appreciate it. There are a lot of different directions we could go in in today's conversation. Let me just start with a simple question. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what's on your mind and, and the work you do at Canex. Um, you know, what, what's, what, what are you guys working on that's going to blow our mind, you know, uh, later in 2021? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, we certainly have a lot of things. What I guess I'll start with is actually something that's new for us from the research perspective. Um, we have a, a new research partnership with the Alliance for Lifetime Income, and um, we just released our first joint study, and we're actually hard at work on the next one. So uh, things don't really tend to stay still, um, but we have some you know really great insights, I think, um, that are going to help us in general understand what's going on and really how to help advisors and investors come together um, to create better outcomes. So um, the, the, the first study is, is kind of been out, you know, for a little while, I think came out earlier this year, right? Uh, maybe Q1, end of Q1, beginning of Q2, something like that, right? And so one of the things that was interesting about that was this disconnect between what consumers think about annuities and what advisors think about annuities. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the findings there? Yeah. So, you know, I just want to say in general, there's this perception that people dislike annuities and and they dislike the word annuity. And I think that that's really a distraction. We have generally found that the interest of regular consumers in an annuity solution um, is actually pretty high and and generally much higher than a financial professional expects it to be. Um, but I think one of the real great proof points in this particular study is that you know, we asked the investors how satisfied they were with a financial professional, and they were more satisfied when they had an annuity than when they didn't. So it, it, the difference is 84% were very satisfied when they, they own the annuity versus 74%, which isn't necessarily a tremendous difference, but it's a positive difference. And I think that really disproves the, the, the trope that people fundamentally dislike annuities. I think you're onto something there. I, uh, you know, I think I think so. Maybe that's some form of cognitive dissonance, cognitive dissonance you know, where uh, we, we felt that way for a while, and and now we need to 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 think a little bit differently about it. So, what, what's what's changing in the minds of the consumer that's bringing them more in alignment with the with the idea of annuities? Anybody I don't think is? any. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that anything's changed for regular people. What they love is what annuities do for them. 
And the problem is we talk about annuities generally from a bottom-up perspective, but what type of product is this? Oh, it's a fixed annuity. It's a variable annuity. And then it's got this rider or it doesn't have a rider and it does X, Y, Z and it's attached to an index or, you know, we talk about it from a structural perspective, but not really the solutions perspective. And so, you know, I I think this is a little bit of a self-inflicted wound. (laughs) You know, the industry has been fantastic at innovating so many different types of annuity-based solutions and continues to do so. It's not going to stop. But I think that how we talk about them, as long as we start from the place of what matters to the investor, I mean, I think that's what really resonates with them. So uh, you you make a good point, and I have to say, in in some of the conversations I've had, you know, with my with our own personal clients about annuities, typically three things come out, you know, in the conversation. They seem like they're expensive. They seem like they're complicated. And you know, if I die, you know, who's going to get the money? And so, uh, it, you know, if you if you if you understand annuities enough, you understand that those three things aren't true of all annuities. And those three things don't have to be true of an annuity that may be a solution to a problem that a particular client is having. Has that, have you found anything similar in that vein? Or Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there are a lot of preconceptions and misunderstandings in general. Um, but even when you go down the basic list of they're illiquid and they're expensive and yada, yada, like you say, they apply differently depending on, on the structure. And, you know, I even would push back against the expensive component, but cause that's not really how I like to look at them when they're there for a certain solution, but without getting bogged down in that for a lot of financial professionals, I think they have gotten stuck in a, their own ideas about how products work. Right. And um, I think that there's actually a tremendous need for an education effort to help them really get to this uh, idea of understanding the solution set and gaining confidence and how to apply those solutions so that they can really guide their um, their clients through the process of deciding that this is the right solution for them. So um, I, I want to come back to a comment you just made, and, and that's, you know, are they expensive or not? And I, I think for some of us, expense, you know, depends, it, expense is relative to the value that you get out of it, right? Uh, and, and so I think you've written a, a little bit on this area where I, I think in the, it, may, it might have been income annuities or income riders, where if you look at what you're getting out of it compared to what you're paying for it, that it really is a fair return. Do I have yeah, that right? Absolutely. And it, so I just want to start with one basic premise, which is that everybody should get paid for their work, right? This applies to financial professionals, regardless what their compensation model is. This applies to insurance companies. It actually also applies to mutual fund companies. <laughs> we sometimes act like, I don't know, they're altruistic and they don't, you know, actually make money on the work that they do, but everybody gets compensated for what they do. So do insurance companies. Now, whether or not you see a fee, it doesn't make one thing more or less expensive than another, a fixed annuity. All you see is a rate. That's fine. But it doesn't mean that there aren't underlying costs that the insurer is compensated for. It's very similar with a different chassis, like a variable annuity. It's just that you don't have, you have everything exposed so it's, you have these explicit costs, right? And even with um, Aryla, 
right? Where there might be a, a fee for the underlying contract, but maybe then there's not a cost for the quote unquote investment because there is no investment. And that gets expressed in a different way that's actually more similar to a fixed annuity. So it's like a, a sort of like a cost blend of those things. But ultimately, if you're paying for a benefit, then that is making the thing quote unquote very expensive, then you're getting something out of it. And if you don't need the thing that you're paying a lot of money for, then maybe you shouldn't be buying that in the first place. But the, 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 the it's a matter of matching the need to the product. So uh, I want to come back to uh, something you said a little bit earlier uh, from the PREP study uh, about how maybe the, the attitudes are changing. Maybe they aren't, you know, it seemed to me that there was something generationally in that study as well, that maybe the Gen X folks were more receptive to the idea of annuities than boomers are. What do you, what do you think is contributing to that situation? Sure. So, you know, we, when we talk about the retirement crisis, we talk about the three legged stool, right? And that one leg is pensions, you know, one leg social security, and then the other leg is going to be your retirement savings. Right. And then, when we talk about pensions, we say pensions are disappearing, but they're not disappearing evenly across every age group, right? They're more prevalent among the older folks. So the older boomers are most likely to still have a pension and you see that declining the, through the younger cohorts. So this really explains why it would be that Gen X would have more interest. It's because one, they're more likely to be missing one leg of the stool in their own personal situations. Um, so even though Gen X doesn't generally get a lot of attention, um, and it's a smaller group than, uh, than the boomers are, uh, we still see really like a large, there's a large population of folks that are interested and you can project that forward or backwards, however you want to look at it, to the millennials. And um, there are other studies that have focused on those those folks and that they are very interested and they're very worried about retirement. And I think that it's, and it's probably more complicated than simply the lack of a pension, but I think that that's a very significant contributing factor. So where does the, the individual's personality come into play in, in the way they look at this? Or, uh, I think Wade Fowles got some research coming out under the label RISA. And so uh, retirement income style awareness. So we're saying that uh, we, we, we all reflect, you know, our preferences in terms of how our income is, is guaranteed or supported or protected um, in, in a number of different ways. I, I, I think you, you, you were talking in, our, in one of our calls last week about uh, your thoughts on that. Where do you land on that situation? Yeah, I mean, I love this framework. It's very different from how do you solve the problem, but it really approaches it from the perspective of how do you solve the problem in a way that works best for you, the individual person. Let's not think of them as an investor, but it's a human that has certain preferences, right? And so let's map those preferences and then figure out what types of solutions fit that map. Now, it's very interesting about those results from, um, so... Uh, Wade and Alex published a, a study earlier this year on this. And basically, when you look at two of the quadrants, one is really leaning more towards um, the, the safety first, you know, income guarantee perspective. And then the other one is really more of a portfolio management solution, right? Where, where you're not necessarily using income guarantees. And that's pretty much evenly split in thirds, 
between those groups. Now, um, by pure coincidence, we actually happened to ask some questions in the last study of financial professionals, and, and we wanted to know what type of solutions they offer their clients. And so um, we asked about certain quadrants, and basically mo- one of the findings that's very interesting is most financial professionals use one style. They don't necessarily have a lot of different tools in their toolbox. And you can see that that might be a fundamental problem in interacting with a wide variety of clients. Um, but what we found is that only about this is a little over 10% of, um, of the folks that we spoke to actually use the uh, safety first perspective, right? And so it seems like, and it's a very easy one to implement, and it seems like you're missing out on serving your clients best if you really only see retirement income planning through a single lens. Let me level set for the audience for a second. We did a podcast with Wade Fowl earlier uh, this year, and what he found was that people come at one end of the spectrum or another. They're either very safety first. If you ask them, are you comfortable with the, the results, you know, 90%, 5% probability of success with a Monte Carlo simulation, they're not so comfortable with that. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got folks that are more uh, comfortable with market-driven solutions. And what, what, what Wade said is, all right, so now if we lay these personalities, these style awareness boxes out, they, it, it, it's not that the, there's a problem with the annuity or the solution. The problem is in which tool are you recommending to which quadrant? If you're talking to someone who's market-driven and you're talking to them about annuities, you may not have a receptive audience. Now, if you're talking to someone who is safety first and you're talking to them about a market-driven probability-based approach, again, you're not going to have a very receptive audience. And so what their research is saying and what I think Tamico is saying is you got to be flexible. You've got to read the room. You've got to understand the prospect you're talking to. And so this is another level of know your client um, and, and addressing their particular style awareness. So where does that leave us? you know, from a, from a solution perspective, you know, as far as you're concerned, where do you think uh, that takes us? What I would love to see and where I think that we are moving towards as an industry is a place where financial professionals get access to a wider variety of tools um, from a planning perspective, from a product placement perspective, comparison, all of those things so that they can meet the client where they are and they're not simply using, always using that hammer. We want them to have a hammer and have a screwdriver and, you know, hopefully have some other tools as well, but at least let's look at this as a problem that has multiple different types of solutions to kind of get to the same place, um, but focus on more on client satisfaction. So I think that that is just really going to drive better outcomes overall and improve the confidence of the investing public in the advice that they're getting, Um, which, you know, there's a lot of distrust out there and this would go a long way rather than saying, I'm going to shove this one solution down your throat, whether you like it or not, because this is the only thing that I do to say, let me hear what it is that you want and need. And then we'll, we'll come together on that. Another verse in the same song, I think, is this notion that if if the annuity product isn't, uh, you know, an advisor only, you know, isn't fee only, 
then it's not the right solution. Whereas if it's a, if it's got a commission in it, then it's the wrong solution. So, you know, what, what's your research telling us about that approach? Well, I, I just have to say, this is more anecdotal than anything, but look, let's look at the, at the sort of cast of characters out there and the percentage of product that is um, advisory structured, right? And it's relatively small. And so what happens is if you limit yourself only to those products based upon the compensation model, which I understand where that thinking comes from, but you may be restricting yourself from best-in-class product. And this is you know, what I'm hearing sort of out in the field, right, from folks that are looking at, at um, all these different products. And I think that there's there can be a little bit of uh, a slavish devotion to a certain comp model. Um, and that ultimately may not be the best thing to serve the client. So I think uh, one of the areas we talked about last week was this idea of the income riders with uh, indexed annuities. Uh, one of the things that was interesting to me is you, you pointed out that they're, they're, they're not gender-based. So help our audience understand a little bit about what that means and why that should be important to us in looking for income solutions. Sure. Um, well, I'll put this into context. Uh, first of all, just the background on this is some of the work that Canex does um, around income uh, valuation. So we actually can assess a variety of different products um, based upon the specific uh, design and for a client case to say not only, you know, for like an income annuity, but an FIA that has a GLWB, et cetera. Um, you know, what is the income potential of that product for that individual? Um, so we actually um, did a study a few years ago and we started comparing the the basic income guarantee. So this is not including the potential for, for increase from the markets or indices, but just what is um, the fundamental guarantee that's coming out of this range of products. So VA um, and FIA with GLWB and income annuities. And um, what we found was that in a lot of cases, the FIA actually was outperforming the sort of purpose built product, which is counterintuitive. So, you know, particularly on day one, it's generally speaking, um, the single premium immediate annuity has the most income, but with a delay in particular, um, we saw that dynamic change. Now, where the dynamic changes the most is for women, because most FIA GLWBs are, uh, they don't, the income is not linked to the gender of of the annuitant, whereas for an income annuity, it most definitely is. And um, that can actually drive a difference in, in utilization of what's the most efficient. So it may well be for a man, like we saw this scenario play out. For a man, the, the highest income would come out of a deferred income annuity, but for a woman, it might come out of an FIA. Um, so we really saw the need it, when income is a critical outcome and you're trying to maximize that, um, it does actually make sense to look across different types of products and consider the characteristics of that person. So that's a great object lesson coming back to comment you made earlier, which was look at the outcome, not the fee or the compensation model, right? So your research shows that FIAs with GLWB for women Generally, you know, with a little delay is going to produce better income than DIA. But we traditionally think of DIA as lower expense, lower comp, right? 
which is interesting to me. So I, I think what that speaks to is the need to do your homework and, you know, be aware if you've got a bias uh, and, and try and manage that bias, right? Uh, I'd, I'd like to come back now full circle uh, to your, your opening comment where you talked about satisfaction. So did, did talk about a little bit more uh, for us about the, what, what the study found in terms of people's perceptions of annuities versus what advisors were saying. Yeah, so um, generally speaking, um, I mean, that that's sort of a consistent thing that we found is that people are tend to be much more interested in annuities than advisors predict. And more more true with um, people with, with fewer assets, although I think that there, there are probably some different influences in that. Um, but the expectation of the financial professional is, is often that this is going to be sort of a hard sell something very difficult to convince them that it fits well in a plan because of this very prevalent idea that people dislike annuities. Although I have to say that it's, there is some discounting. So, you know, we've in the past and other people have done this as well, sort of explained what, what an annuity does and people generally like it. And then you call it annuity and fewer people like it. But people generally still like it, actually, because when, you, when you're describing it as an annuity, you're also saying what it does. So it's not like it, it um, completely, the desirability of the solution completely falls off the cliff with that. Um, so I think that one of the things that, that can happen, though, is that if you're sitting in front of a client and you're thinking that they're going to not be receptive to the message, then you may have your own internal barriers. Um, but again, if you start from a solutions-based approach of what does this thing do, let's not worry too much about what it's called or like, is it a fixed or variable annuity or, you know, how it works, like how it works, obviously you need to be able to explain that, but it's what it does that is the crucial point for the client. Um, and ultimately that's what serves the plan as well. I mean, the, those other details don't serve the plan. Yeah, I think one of the stats that jumped out at me from that study was the one that said nine out of 10, and I don't remember if it was just Gen X or Gen X and boomers, expect their retirement plans to provide them with guaranteed income and or uh, principal protection, which to me really speaks to the two big solutions that we expect from annuities, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, people people like the idea of um protected income, right? And um, again, this it, when the financial professionals are underestimating this, which they do, um, then they're, they're really um, depriving themselves of the opportunity to serve the client and to provide a solution that the client actually really wants. Um, so that the, the reminder out there that this is, this is a value proposition that people want. Again, let's not get too caught up in some of the terminology, but what does this do? And what does that client, what is that client like? What are their preferences, right? Um, which is something that's ascertainable as well as, you know, what, what are the, what are the needs and how, how does this fit within the context of retirement plan? Which is actually just another really good point because um, we found in the past that clients are much more satisfied when they're with an annuity, when it's part of a plan. Like it doesn't do great as a free-floating um, ion out there. Gotcha. And, you know, 
the, I love the takeaways from this. I love the, the, the idea of rethinking how uh, the conversation goes with a client, you know, between probability based and safety first. I love the idea of thinking about the, the net benefit that you're driving versus the expenses. And I, I love the idea of thinking about creating more client satisfaction because Lord knows with the, with the money in motion that we're seeing today, post COVID, those rates are up 350%. Uh, and the data says that if you're an advisor and you happen to be in communication with one of those clients who's a little bit dissatisfied with their advisor, you got a 19 times greater chance of converting that client than at any other time in the life cycle. So to all the advisors listening, have an open mind. Think about, uh, you know, the, the, a research data-driven approach to income solutions and, and to dealing with uh, the different personalities that folks have by carrying more than one tool in your bucket. So, Tamiko, thank you very much. A super enlightening session. Really appreciate your contributions to the industry and particularly to our podcast this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Matt. <laughs> Yay, we talked about Generation X. Oh my God. Oh my God. I've been harping at Jack Tomiko for so long about this that, you know, there's this whole forgotten generation that's in their peak earning years who'd have no pensions and somebody's got to create a damn product for us. I'm so glad you guys covered that today. Um, and, you know, the other thing too, and, and here's, here's what I am confused about. Uh, and obviously as a marketing company, this is very important for the success of this podcast and, and other podcasts is, how do we get past these closely held incorrect beliefs? I, I just, I don't, it's like, I know an advisor who's, I would consider intelligent, right? And you say the word annuity and he starts like twitching and stuff. And he would rather run a Monte Carlo simulation and charge them 2% every year, by the way, 2% for the That's lifetime of the client. And he's saying annuities are too expensive. So, how how do we do this right how how do we get people like you out into the marketplace and having them besides this podcast but you know, so that more and more people can hear this message because a lot of the people who subscribe to this or this is some of this is preaching to the choir but empowering them to have more confidence which is very powerful for a podcast yeah and the, the confidence piece by the way i think is crucial as far as um, being able to make a recommendation and so some stuff I can't really talk about in the study that when we were asking about utilization of different products for you know, different, different solutions. And they were like, so wrong. <laughs> like they were picking stuff that was like, no, yeah. no, that is, that product is, they say, you know, uh, like basically something that's illiquid, like for guaranteed income accumulation, you know, illiquid. And there are people that check the box for mutual funds and ETFs. what is wrong with you people right or talking about income with liquidity and then checking out the box for speed idea like it's completely ridiculous so i mean i think that there are there's a huge opportunity right now for education across the board right and we've been working really hard to try to debunk some of the myths and that's one of the reasons we started doing the interview series that we have it's not a pod we've never converted it into a pod um we're using just the video format you know but we talk to people about how these products are built how are they priced i actually have um an interview queued up that's going to go into detail on fia pricing like the internal pricing why would you buy this product rather than just buying the instruments yourself 
And I have a guy who really, really knows how these things work. And he's going to tell you why you shouldn't, why it doesn't make sense to do that. Sure. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I have the soapbox about talking about annuities from the solution perspective, mm-hmm. right? This, this has been my thing. I'm mm-hmm. actually writing a piece for the investments in wealth monitor right now, which I am recategorizing. Like this is how we need to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's, it's really it's a matter of education to the financial professionals and some of them need a combination of the quant component, but they, they're having a very emotional response. Yeah, totally. Right. And so meeting that emotional response with the issues of client satisfaction and then say with the uh, Risa or Risa, however you pronounce it, I, sh- I like, I was just emailing with them actually like, <laughs> like, half an hour before we got on the call, but you know, like this format, what I love about it is that it, it tells the, the FPs, they need to look at other ways of solving the problem. Not, not because of the quant stuff, which they still aren't convinced by, Mm -hmm. but because that's what their clients are asking for. Yeah. And so I think it's okay for them even to believe it's not as good of a solution and it has all these flaws. And so like, no, 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 this is, this is what the client is asking for. I'm going to, I'm going to meet them where they are and I'm going to do it in a way that's like kind of okay for me. Uh, you know, may use a limited product set or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, those are some things that, that I, I think about with this. Well, so just so you know, and this is not a shameless plug for me, but just a something great opportunity for you is you can take the the MP3 out of the video and mm-hmm. literally just upload that and turn it into a podcast. It's that simple uh, because what we're finding is uh, there is a very strong subset of people who will watch your video, but they're not watching it. They're just listening to it because they put it on YouTube and it'll be playing in the background, but then it's not portable, right? So that's why this is such a powerful medium and why I was luckily able to convince Jack that this was a great idea for InsureMark uh, is because it is very, very portable. People listen to this in their quiet time. And I always joke with Jack and say, you know, and I to his reps, when's the last time that you were invited into your prospect's quiet time? Without being creepy, because <laughs> that's an important component, right? Because uh, some people are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, be careful. I think yeah. Demico's in New York. Um, speaking <laughs> of creepy guys, yeah. um, so uh, wh- where's the where's the interview hosted? Where are you yeah. putting these, Demico? We host everything on YouTube, okay. and then okay. like we have a section of our website. Um, okay, so it's on Canix. It's yeah, so it's on it's all on Canix. So what we do is we produce a full length video. And then we create a bunch of short clips. Gotcha. Right. And then we also create a Q&A document for people who like to read. Um, and my plan has always been to convert it to a podcast, but I just been a little bit busy. And also, we I wanted, I didn't want to get into the commitment of we're going to do these once a month because um, we're, our production on this is sketchy at best. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> but it's been, it's been super successful for us and we have some great things i also i did a ce class on fia recently and i think there's a lot of room for education on that topic yeah so are you getting lawrence to talk about the mechanics of annuity of indexes and annuities he did okay gotcha he was our first interview actually yeah he's awesome he's awesome Yeah, yeah we had him uh 
couple of weeks ago, right, Matt? Yeah, it was only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that that was that was way way out of my league. Like I had no idea what was going on there. Uh, but it was because you know Jack got into the weeds, and, and you just like you said, there are quants who want that, who want to be able to. Okay, I, I get this now. This makes sense to me now from from that level of of granular understanding, right? Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 